so we met online. This is a podcast about love, sex, and everything in between the world of online dating. I'm Erica. And I'm Chris. If this is your first time with us, we have a few other great episodes, especially if you want to learn about Chris's background, my background, and how he and I met online. So they met online. This is a story about a client of mine, actually. He's 63 years old, and he was really hitting it off with this woman who we're going to call... Becky. We'll call her Becky. So is that because Aunt Becky just just <laughs> pled guilty? Now she's going to jail? I guess. Anyway, so my client really hit it off with Becky, given quarantine and stay at home. They started with just a regular phone call and seemed to really hit it off. So I believe they did a couple phone calls. Then they sort of upgraded to a video call here or there. And as I told him, everyone feels differently with regard to should we meet in person? Should we not? Because it's a strange time and you can't really get on someone else's case for feeling differently than you do. So he was in the pretty anti meeting in person camp. I mean, he is over 60, which is in the you know, more at risk group. And I understand that. But, you know, how far can you really go on video calls and things like that? So they're on their maybe fifth call. And I guess her daughter is in the background who is grown and says something. I don't remember what that something is, but something about Becky's age. Then Becky has to come clean to my client, who is also 63. Becky had written that she's 55. So my client is pretty upset by this, not necessarily because of the actual age. They're the same age, but eight years, eight years is a huge difference. Yep. And his thing was, and I agree with him, she had so many opportunities to tell him the truth. So many phone calls, so many conversations, so many texts, yet she clearly chose not to. It wasn't until her daughter brought it up that she was kind of forced into a corner and had to share her real age. I'm curious from your perspective, if you were my client, one, would you have encouraged him to continue or not? And two, just as a person, how much would it bother you? We've talked about this before and my perspective is somewhat harsh. Uh, I would not continue talking with her. My personal view of this is be honest. And if you can't be honest, there are bigger issues at play, really. Mm -hmm. And so I've had people in the past say they're one age and then discover that they're a different age. And Mm -hmm. I've even stopped talking to them when I've discovered it on the app. So there's a lot of times where somebody's profile will say, My profile says I'm 36, but I'm actually 46. I don't know how to change it. I was like, well, yeah, you do. You just don't want to change it, right? Exactly. And I immediately kind of swipe left or whatever the case might be. So for instance, they might say on their profile, you know, I'm 38. And then as you Mm -hmm. start talking to them, 
they say, oh, you know, I, I have to let you know that I'm actually, you know, 43 or whatever the case might be. I go, well, uh, it's been very nice meeting you, but I'm sorry, you know, I, I'm just not going to continue this conversation. And I boil it all down to you're lying. I'm sorry, exactly. there's there's no other sugar coating to it. If you have the wrong age, you are lying. Point blank. I agree. And so I agreed with my client who said that he wanted to cut things off. I actually just found the original email he sent to me, which was, we emailed six or seven times and talked on the phone four or five times. She never once volunteered that she lied about her age. When she felt trapped yesterday, she blamed it on her daughter filling out her profile and that Bumble would not let her change it. Mm-hmm. I hear that all the time. But the honest women online say in the body of their profile, the real age. I, I still think that's a lie too, yep. but at least they come clean about it. And this has happened to him so many times. And it's not just to women or to men. This has happened so many times. And I have to say, he's actually more patient about it than I would be. But in this case, eight years was just too much. And the fact that she made a choice not to disclose it, I asked him what he was going to do. And he said, I want to send her a diplomatic but firm email that I won't be continuing this. I asked if he wanted to run it by me first, and he said yes. And here's what he initially sent me. Becky, I have been thinking about our call on Saturday. You told me for the first time that you were actually 63 and not 55. You lied in your profile, and even though you had many chances on the phone and in emails, you never corrected it. So far, so good. Mm -hmm. Then he goes on to say, to be clear here, It is not that you are 63. I am too. It is the fact that you would start off a relationship based on a material lie. Not what high school you went to or your favorite color, your age. Up to here, I was actually good with this message. Mm -hmm. Then I started to have a problem with it. And I'll be curious to hear what you say. Then it goes on to say, when were you going to tell me? The first time we met? On a third date? Ever? And of course, I have to wonder what else you lied about. Why stop with age? It gets a little accusatory here. It goes on to say, and this is the part I really disliked. I value honesty and integrity in anyone I date. That's fine. And I'm highly disappointed that you do not have those qualities. I can only hope that this will be a teaching moment for you, but that is not my problem. That's where it went off the rails, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I I agree with that. I would have ended it after the second paragraph or sentence or something he's in the right to not want to continue but it the teaching moment doesn't matter it the the teaching moment would be if she decides that oh i should probably reconsider what i put on my profile but right none of that matters what simply matters is I don't want to continue this. I disliked that you lied about your age. I wish you the best of luck. Exactly. As Michelle Obama says, when they go low, you go high. And I felt that he was going low in that last paragraph. So I, I told him it was too harsh and a bit defensive, but it was a good start. And as I said to him, I want you to be the bigger person, not by putting her in her place, but expressing how it made you feel. So here's how I suggested he tone it down. And I used a lot of his language. Becky, I've been thinking a lot about our call on Saturday. 
you told me for the first time that you were actually 63 and not 55, which is quite an egregious difference. And for what it's worth, it's not the numbers themselves that bother me, but the inherent lie. Even though you had many chances on the phone and in emails, you never corrected it, which makes me feel very uneasy. It's too important to me to start off a relationship with honesty, and unfortunately, because of this, I'm not comfortable pursuing things any further. I only wish you the best. Perfect. Same content, but better said. Yeah. And apparently she responded and said, oh, well, of course I was going to tell you when we met, but because of the circumstance, we couldn't meet yet. I mean, that's, that's just silly. Yeah, but again, look, your profile is the starting point. If you're going to lie on your profile, then in theory, that statement is correct. What else are you lying about? Mm-hmm. And it's the foundation. It's the starting point of the relationship. And how do you build trust and respect in anything else when the, the very first thing you share, you know, is a lie? I will never accept anybody who can't be completely and bluntly honest before I even know you. <laughs> I agree. Although I will say there's a difference between oversharing and being honest. So we're talking about factual information here, age, height, job type, something like that. Whereas I don't want people to think they have to be like, well, I get a cold sore every three weeks. I should be honest about that. Diabetes runs in my family. You know, I'm on an antidepressant. <laughs> There's a line there. So I just want to be clear yeah, what yeah. we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's yeah, a yeah, time yeah, yourself. There's a time, <laughs> there's definitely a time and place to share certain types of information, data points, whatever you want to say. But I agree there are certain things that, and I think you nailed them, you know, age, height, whatever. I would even say that things like the things that are being asked in your dating app, for instance, religion. If mm-hmm. if you go to church every week, then don't say that you don't go to church every week, right? Because clearly that becomes an issue, you know, political beliefs, children, you know, those core things. Like on some levels, I can understand somebody who refrains from saying they have children but really do, I think that's also one of these conversations that may be better to have in, you know, in person. But if the app specifically says, do you have children? And you put, no, I don't have children. You're still lying, right? Oh my gosh. So that's, that's the pieces that you have to really understand. These things that are critical to a successful relationship, if you're going to lie about those from the start, then you're you're just setting yourself up for failure. I agree. And so many people rationalize, well, I look younger than my age. You know what percent of my clients who are over, say, 50 come in and tell me they look younger than their age? 100%. 100%. What percent actually looks younger than their age? I'm not going to answer. <laughs> but And th- there is no average for any age anyway. Like there isn't a standard 50, a standard 60, a standard 30. We look how we look, the end. Also, all of my female clients tell me that men age worse and all of my male clients tell me that women age worse. I laugh under my breath every time. Just everyone ages, the end, period. Full stop. (laughs) (laughs) And then the other thing people rationalize is they say, well, I'll win them over in person. No, if you had to trick someone to getting 
on the date with you, then you're already failing. It should not be a trick to get someone on a date. I would rather you go on one-tenth of the number of dates with people who actually know the truth and who actually want to be meeting you, not the version of yourself that you portrayed online, the younger, you know, more attractive, more successful blah, blah version, but the real you. Or I heard a story of somebody where they lied about their age and they told them in person and now they're married and they're living happily ever after. And so that was successful. So why can't I have that? Well, right. And people remember that one story, you know, because it is an anomaly, but they say, well, if it worked for that one person, it should work for me. And that is faulty logic. And you know what? The fact that you know that story means that it clearly did make an impact or else why would the person tell you? I mean, I still remember I read in some art, maybe it was a New York Times wedding announcement. I don't remember. It was a couple getting married and talked about how they met and it was online and he had lied about his height by three or four inches, which is a pretty significant lie, I think. And she was not thrilled about it, but okay, fast forward, they ended up getting married. But the fact that she is still talking about it, she still makes fun of him about it, means that it still matters to her. So yes, can one in every X number of relationships work based on a lie? Yeah, sure. Fine. But don't plan your whole dating experience based on that low probability. That's silly. That's crazy. Yeah. And we've talked about it before. But the sad reality of this is, is that people are doing it because they want to get matched with other people within the range that they're putting their age at. Right. Mm -hmm. And I've heard several people before say, look, I'm 50, but I say I'm 40 so that I can get matched with men who are 50, who are also lying and saying they're 40. And ultimately, Mm -hmm. you're both lying and you're both (laughs) getting actually matched with each other in the same way, but with different ages. And if you would have just been honest about the age, you would have still gotten matched with. But it's like, well, you know, men are looking for younger people. So I've got to put myself as younger so that I get matched with people. And the reality is, is the men are putting themselves at a younger age anyways, and then trying to match with younger and it all balances out. Just stop lying. Yeah. I found the New York Times announcement because I was curious. It does have a cute title, stretching the truth to find love. And I find stretching funny because he stretched his height. 2016 for Scott Birnbaum. I'm, I'm doing my best like NPR voice for Scott Birnbaum. Finding Tracy Podell was akin to solving a complex math problem. Mr. Birnbaum, a data-mad web executive looking for love, found himself taking deep dives into the algorithms and user behaviors that drive some of the largest dating websites. Okay, I like that, being a data nerd, but anyway. He emerged with a solution for gaming the system to his advantage, creating a profile that attracted Ms. Podell, even if it wasn't entirely accurate. This is in the New York Times wedding announcement, okay? Mr. Birnbaum, now 39, considers himself to be a first adopter and a life hacker whose pursuit of an efficient existence through apps and other gizmos can sometimes infect him with paralysis by analysis. I can't even say these words. He readily admits that his... Initial forays into online dating were lackluster. While living in Seattle, he's found that his friends were getting a lot more hits than he was. So he investigated how he could improve his profile and began tinkering with multiple accounts. I started noticing that everybody said the same thing in their bio, he said. And I was like, well, 
I'm not going to stand out very much if I do that. I should write profiles that, while they, you know, weren't necessarily lying, accentuated different parts of the things I was interested in. So this part I agree with. Everyone does say similar stuff. So you have to stand out. So say more interesting things about yourself that are true. It continues, this led him to experiment with various personalities on Match.com. In one account, he was a geek. In another, he was a hipster. For another profile, he wondered, what if I put out there that I'm like the most successful I've ever been? Would I attract a real type A person? Okay, I'm going to interject here. Stop writing to try to attract a certain type of person. Just write as accurately to yourself as you can. And I tell this to clients all the time because let's say you want this executive type, mid-30s guy, I'm making this up, who wears a button-down shirt every day and talks to his mother every Sunday. Okay, you could write in such a way that you think attracts that person, but the reality of it is we don't know what that person wants. So stop trying to attract a person by like, gaming the system and just be yourself because then you'll attract the people who actually want you. Okay, I'm going to continue. Mr. Birnbaum, who stands five feet, five inches tall, ultimately determined that the key issue was his height. Interjecting again, he's right. I wish society weren't this way, but shorter men do get penalized online and it's, it's unfortunate. So I'm going to continue. Thinking about online dating from a search perspective, I'm like, What are people searching for? And why am I not showing up in their searches? And so one of the filters was this height thing. Women generally want a guy that is taller than them in heels, he said. I was getting weeded out by that. Inch by inch, he began raising his stature in his profiles until he discovered that 5 feet 8 inches was the search parameter under which even the shortest women were reluctant to dip their glass slippers. So... Mr. Birnbaum continued tweaking his profile on OkCupid, figuring that the height increase was so minimal, three inches is not minimal, that people would give him the benefit of the doubt. Of the handful of dates he had using his false stats, he said he was never called out. Okay, Erica interrupting again. Most people are too nice or too shy to call someone out. I am not. You remember that story where I called out a guy on his age and his height. Anyway, as his fake body grew... So did Mr. Birnbaum's page views. Fundamentally, people exaggerate all of the time, he said, and they present an idealized version of what they think they are. This is like the lemming approach. Everyone does it, so why shouldn't I? That is the worst rationale ever. That's when Ms. Podell, who is 4 feet 11 inches, reached out to him in 2012 on OkCupid, ostensibly wanting restaurant suggestions for a trip she had planned. Ms. Podell, now 32, sensed Mr. Birnbaum was different. For one, she liked his profile. He had longish hair at that point. So there was this lovely combination of like, I have a great job. And also, I look a little bit like I'd be at a concert with you, she said. Of his thoughtfully rendered reply and its spot-on restaurant pics, she said, I was like, amazing. A first date soon followed. Mr. Birnbaum was sitting on a bar stool and stood up to greet Ms. Podell when she walked in. Even from her diminutive perspective, she was quite sure Mr. Birnbaum was shorter than advertised. But she waited until a couple of dates later to press him on the topic. She focused instead on his personality. Good for her, but 
Yeah. On their third date, Mr. Birnbaum invited her for a swim at the Hollywood Hills bachelor pad he shared with a bunch of guys. At one point, she teasingly asked him, you're not 5'8", are you? He got quiet and then came clean. She let it go. I think I just enjoyed making him squirm a little bit. For her, the height requirement she had set on OkCupid represented nothing more than her desire to be with someone taller. As for Mr. Birnbaum's own tall tale, she said, I understand the reasoning and thought it was funny. Not like he was doing something bad or wrong. If anything, it probably made me more attracted to him because it was smart and it worked. It showed he was pretty capable. Okay, I'm going to cut it off here. But the fact that five-sixths of this New York Times wedding announcement is about the lie about his height, clearly it is still on their mind. Don't do it. The end. Let's take a break. Thank you for listening to So We Met Online. If you enjoy listening, we invite you to visit our site at sowemetonline.com slash sponsors and find out how you can help support the show. On the site, you can learn about all of our sponsors, donate to the show, or promote your own business by becoming a sponsor on one of our upcoming episodes. And if you're a fan, please share our podcast to your friends, coworkers, or anyone else who is looking to meet someone online. Okay, Chris, one other question I got recently from a client. He is very new to online dating. He is widowed and he's also in his 60s, actually. He asked me, why am I getting interest from women all over the country? Ohio, Florida, California. He does not live in any of those places. Okay, so what would you have said? Well, there's any number of reasons. One is, <laughs> one is uh, profile is set to the entire country. You know, you, mm-hmm. you can match with people out of state if you set your settings in that way. Or he's being scammed. <laughs> I mean, it's probably one of the, those two. So I just wrote back quickly, who knows? But if any seem interesting, it can't hurt to engage a bit. The point I want to make here is that people are really focused on who's not writing to them. Why am I not getting messages from this type of person? Why am I not getting messages from this type of person? And it's almost like they exclude the people who are actually interested in them and writing to them. So in this case, I said, it's all in how you think about it. Rather than think, ugh, why are these women writing? It's, wow, these women are writing. I mean, this is just a short one, but this happens all the time where if I'm coaching a client, I'll actually look at their app on their phone and see how many old or expired matches are in there. And it's usually a number so high that it like gives me agita to look at it. And I ask, why are you continuing to swipe when you have so many people here who you've never written to? oh, they're old or they're old matches. We matched so long ago or I don't know anymore. I'd rather just keep going. It's human nature and I don't know why to discount what's right in front of us and try to find something better. But the thing is, we don't even know these people right in front of us. I would rather you fish in a pond of people who already indicated that they like you than keep searching for people you don't know like you. Yeah, sure. But, <laughs> but, but I mean, we say that, and I think at a high level, that's the right attitude. 
But I think also in the moment, it depends on our level of pickiness, maybe. I mean, I've had lots of women match <laughs> with me, and I've looked at their profile a second time, and I'm on the fence I, for any number of reasons, right? And that's not to say that I might not reach out to them. I just may not reach out to them at this moment. Maybe there's something I'm reflecting on with them. Maybe there's something I read in their profile. Maybe there's a picture that I'm looking at and I, I'm just trying to get a better sense of it. While at the same time, as dating apps prove, we have an unlimited library of other options. It is hard for us to kind of juggle all of that. But we're still picky. We're still, and some of us are more picky than others. And we could have 10 people sitting in front of us and we'll still be like, well, it's great that I've got all of these matches, but none of them that I'm attracted to or none of them then that stop I- stop swiping on them. That's not what guys do. I know what guys do. Okay. Why don't you tell everyone what guys yeah. do? You swipe not- right on everyone just to see the whole selection of people who like you. Exactly. Exactly. For guys, it's- But that's so frustrating no. for women well, because yeah. they, they think there's something to it. And then when you don't answer, they're upset. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they have to understand that we are swiping for odds. We are swiping for not necessarily to build up a collection of likes. We're simply playing the odds. We're going to swipe on everybody, maybe not on everybody, but I'd say swipe on 90%. And out of those 90%, I'm then going to further investigate and research the ones that I connect with. On the flip side, I think to your point, I think women are doing the research up front and then Correct. they're swiping on the ones that they are genuinely connected to or want to get to know. And we're just doing the research after the fact. Maybe sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's playing the odds. It's like, okay, now I've got a selection of 10 people. Let me look at it a little bit more and say, yeah, okay. I, I can see myself chatting with this person a little bit more. I will even say, that even on on Bumble, where the woman has to respond first, we're still playing those odds. We're still swiping right, swiping right, swiping right. And then even out of that set that I get matched with, let's say I get matched with 20 people or 10, whatever, out of those 10, only a handful of them are even going to respond first. So I'm not sure what that's all about either, right? If you do your research later and find that you're not interested, do you unmatch the person? Yes, sometimes. I, I probably don't do it as, as much as I should. It, there's a maintenance to that. There's a process to that, which it's like, uh, I'm too busy to deal with it. And yeah, I would recommend doing that because it's frustrating for everyone to just have this list of matches. You just you're never going to talk to. I mean, I don't practice inbox zero, but I get pretty close. I'm all about organization. And I find that for a lot of my clients, if they see all of these matches in there and no conversations, they immediately get overwhelmed and sometimes just shut down the app because they're like, oh my God, it's too much. I can't handle it. Shut it down. That's why I recommend the minute you know you're not into someone before anyone has a chance to write to anyone, just unmatch them. There's a personality trait in there, right? There's, yeah, type there's- A. There's a personality trait of people who need things organized and and need things identified, like that's a no, remove, that's a yes, stay. And then there's 
another personality type of, I don't really care. I don't really care if they're yeah. either going to talk to me or they're not going to talk to me. And it goes both ways. And if I engage with somebody, their messages are at the top of the list. And if I don't engage with somebody, their messages are at the bottom of the list. And at some point in time, I may go back through and I may remove them. But to me, it doesn't bother me. I don't care. I don't necessarily reflect or reminisce on, oh, look at this match from three months ago who never said anything <laughs> back. I mean, I, I'm not doing that. And then at that time, maybe I will remove them. But it does not bother me. The clutter, we'll say, the clutter in the app does not bother me. It's simply, you're either going to talk to me or you're not. We're either going to make arrangements to see each other or we're not. And at some point in time, those people are the ones that are at the top of the list. I bet there's a positive correlation between the people who keep all of these matches and the people who, if I looked at their phone, they would have like 13,412 unread emails. All right, one more quick question from a client. He's a young guy in his 30s. I sometimes see profiles on Bumble where a woman has a photo or photos of herself with a young child, but she doesn't say anything in her profile about whether or not she has children. Do you have any advice on how to ask the question so I don't come off like I'm accusing her of potentially hiding that she's a mom? Sure. Who's the child in your photo? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I told him, first look at the checkbox to see if... They answered, and if not, you're totally fine to ask, I was wondering, is that your daughter in the picture, or who's that child in the picture? Simple, simple, simple. Very simple, and it goes back to the original point. Don't lie. I Look, I'm a little on the fence at times as to having children in your profile photos. I, I think that's a completely mm. separate conversation that we can have. Um, I'm not for, you know, kind of exposing, I have kids, and mm -hmm. I'm not, or like saying, like, here's me with my son, here's me with my dog, you know, and, and kind of putting, they're not on the dating app. I'm on the dating app, right? Right. I can share that information in the written part, but I don't need to basically share pictures of my children out to the world to see. So this is crazy, and I'm probably going to blow some minds, but an observation, I don't have statistics on it, but trust me. Men should not show their daughters because we don't know if it's a daughter or, God forbid, a partner. However, I do find this is crazy, but men are like animals sometimes. Like, a lot goes back to just male instinct. I find that my older female clients who have sons who happen to be very tall, when they post family pictures of their tall sons, they do quite well online one picture. And I know that sounds crazy, but a thought goes through that man's mind like, oh, she likes a big man like me because her ex must have been a big dude. People's minds are interesting things, but that is an observation that I know to be true. I'm not giving advice based on that. I'm just saying it's an observation that my older female clients with grown sons who are tall, do well by posting one picture with them. And, but, I, I just, I've found that, but it's a total double standard because I tell them not to post with their grown daughters because, look, what man isn't going to look at the daughter? You said you're not going to give your recommendation. My recommendation is this. Never, ever, ever 
share a picture in your profile with somebody of the opposite sex. Unless it's maybe in your general, father. I agree with that. Maybe unless it's your father or your mother and you can clearly no, no, identify. That's even worse. But I would say absolutely never post a profile picture with somebody of the opposite sex because the very first thing, no matter what they're going to think is, is that a ex? Is that a partner? And then from yes. there, depending upon the age, you could still argue that, but also you're going to open up any number of other questions. So I just recommend you never do that. Acceptable photos would be you by yourself or you with potentially friends or in some type of public setting. But even friends, then, no. then you get compared was, to your friends. I was going to say, and even then, the friend more attractive. Exactly. Come on. Even then, you're opening yourself up to being compared. Exactly. If you like what you hear, feel free to leave us a note on our Facebook page that we met online. And uh, thanks so much for listening. Thanks for listening. <laughs>